episode 301, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., season 6, episode 4, Code Yellow. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. My name is Ben, Ben Avery. I'm here to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and also here to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is the show that got this podcast going. That's right. We didn't start with Iron Man, although we technically started with Iron Man. We didn't start when Iron Man started. You get the idea. We started because of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and so whenever there's a new episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I get excited. And this time it was a little softer excitement because I was watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on a Friday on TV, live, 8 o'clock, and I was thinking about another show. And and uh, in our last episode, a Cloak & Dagger episode, I, I explained uh, how I felt about that other show, which was Swamp Thing on the DC Universe app. Um yeah, I I liked I liked Swamp Thing. I did. I liked it quite a bit. Um, did I like it as much as Agents of Shield? Well, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but I did like it. But, but anyway, um, I'm here alone tonight, and part of that is just because of again just the way this summer is going. And if we were going to stay on top of things, we needed to keep moving. And if we were going to keep moving, we couldn't wait for certain schedule elements to actually line up, especially since there were other scheduling elements that were going to be working against us in the near future. So uh, I chose uh, to talk about this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. rather than taking the season finale of Cloak and Dagger solo, because that I feel like was a little bit more important to make sure we had Samantha or Stuart on to talk about. Um, it also would give you time if you wanted to, dear listener, those of you who are watching the Cloak and Dagger series, uh, to send us in some feedback. We have a couple bits of feedback about that season finale, but it does give you extra time to uh, call in a voicemail or to send in an email or to contact us in one of the other social media ways that we talk about over the, the music and the credits at the end of this episode. But um, because of just the nature of that episode, um, I decided to go ahead and, and come on and do the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode solo. Uh, now, there's some interesting things coming up here in the future. We've got July 2nd with uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, I myself personally, though, am heading into a very interesting and busy personal season, which I've talked about this before on the podcast. And uh, this is one of those like, I'm going to try not to, you know, do too much information. But uh, my family and I, we always every year uh, go and take two weeks of our life and we go to a family retreat for families affected by disabilities. And we serve uh, the families that may have children who have autism or maybe um, a father who one example that I always like to give to just to explain what allows a family to attend this is uh, there was a family who there was um, uh, the father was in a hunting accident and um, had some brain damage. And so that was what made them eligible to be able to attend this, this camp basically. And it's basically a week for them to get away from, well, it's a retreat <laughs> to retreat from the real world. And it's an opportunity to do the camp thing. And if you've ever done summer camp or going on a very, you know, relaxing summer vacation, you know how much it's needed uh, for almost anyone to just get away from it all for a little while. Uh, but families who are affected by these disabilities don't often have that um, that luxury, that privilege. Uh, or the resources to be able to do something like that. And so that's what this is. It's, it's an opportunity for families to be able to just come, get away from the regular day-to-day, -day, and have people just love them, have people serve them, have people create opportunities for them to 
you know, do the camp things, do the zip line, do the pool on the beach of Lake Michigan, <laughs> um, do Lake Michigan, uh, do uh, the hay rides, although we don't use hay because of allergies and stuff like that. But um, the point is, uh, it's something that my family and I do every year, and it does become a disruptor in the summer for recording. Uh, if anyone remembers the episode that we recorded about, I can't remember what the actual movie the episode was about, but the I do remember what the uh, post-credit was about where we discussed Man of Steel. Um, that's the one that I recorded on a bathroom floor. That's the retreat we were at. Uh, and so it's a disruptor for the summer, which makes it a little bit difficult to work with um, when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is running through the summer like it is. However, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is taking a week off. And so that actually makes it a little bit easier for me to stay on top of things and for us to be able to just keep up with the live. Now, we're not keeping up with the streaming and we know this and we are, you know, ready to get back into it when we have the time and when it's time. But um, for right now, that's what my family is is moving into and we will see how it'll work out for Cloak and Dagger episode 10 uh, to for us to record about that. Uh, but for now, that's, that's just behind the curtain, not a lot about how the sausage is made, so to speak, but a little bit. And um, yeah, if you're the if you're the praying type, I'd appreciate your your prayers uh, for us as we are, are going off and doing that because it is it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of hard work. And uh, but it's worth it. It's worth it every time. So um, oh, and just you know, this our roles at this uh, is my wife runs the children's program. I young the teen. I run the teens and young adults program, and then our children also come along and now are old enough. We've been doing this for 13 years now, and my children have grown into being able to actually be actual volunteers and not just family of the volunteers as they have been before. Although as family members, they were able to just do the program stuff, do the camp stuff with the kids who are there. And uh, my daughter made a lifelong friend uh, when she was, I think, four she might have been five. It was before school, even. Uh, she met this young girl who was the same age as her. They both had the same beginning letter to their name of E. And that was enough for a lifelong friendship that still exists today. And they are looking forward to being, again, coming together for that summer reunion. Um, so anyway, enough about that. Enough about me. Uh, what I'm here to actually talk about is Welcome to Level 7's coverage of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode by episode. And so this is episode number four of season six, which is actually also episode number 114, which that's that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. What I'm wondering is it's, it's kind of funny to look at. OK, we've done 300 episodes well, 301 now of Welcome to Level 7, which means that there's 100 and 186, uh, 187, if this is episode 301, uh, episodes talking about other stuff. And I don't know, numbers are fun sometimes. They're also, uh, numbers can be intimidating sometimes. And this might be one of those times where I'm feeling a little intimidated by the numbers, but I probably shouldn't, but I, I do anyway. So this episode probably won't be too long, uh, but I do have some uh, voice, voicemail feedback that I want to get into from Agent Coco. Uh, but this episode is the episode about Deke. This is the episode where we find out what Deke has been up to. And it starts with a very exciting fight sequence for Deke with some very cliche dialogue for Deke, including lines like, I'm getting too old for this. And then as he shoots someone, thanks. I had a blast and it ends with him in a cringy moment with Daisy. And I actually thought when the door popped open and Daisy was there that maybe this was real. Uh, at one point, as things started going and the dialogue started flowing, I thought to myself that ah, this can't be real. And then the door opens and Daisy's there and I'm like, oh, OK, well, this must be real. And then it wasn't because she uh, comes on to him and she is not just the Daisy we know, but she is a, um, well, let's just say sexualized version of Daisy that would be not uncommon in a video game uh, that would be in this style. He's actually in the framework 
in a framework anyway, and he is a framework programmer creating a framework, and he wants to be a disruptor because he has another technology that he has brought from the future, which is mushroom pellets. And so basically, Deke is struggling to survive in a modern world uh, by using future technology um, and using shield technology. And so it's it's not the best life for him. He still obviously has a thing for Daisy, but he also has a girlfriend named Sequoia, who is played by Marissa Tancheron. I think that's how you say her name, and I apologize to you um, for saying it wrong. But again, just said it confidently, as Daniel would ask me to do, and I also... Uh, apologize as I would do in my classrooms whenever I would stumble over people's last names or even first names sometimes when I was a high school teacher and doing the first roll call of the year. And I always felt bad because names are so important, especially for kids. That's, you know, that's their identity, their name. That's, that's what you call them to get their attention. That's how they think of themselves and you're getting it wrong. And, and so you're, you're asking and, but even as you're asking, you're still, you're getting it wrong and, and you could offend kids just, yeah, but I worked at it. I worked hard anyway. Uh, she's playing Sequoia and, you know, she's this kind of, I don't even know how to describe her, what the right words are to describe her. Uh, but she's an influencer and she wants to be around influencers. And so she's around Deke and Deke's team and she's chart, you know, using the social media. She's on Snap and, and, and using the Insta and she's got the hashtag life going on there, you know, um, as she is part of his life, part of his normal. Uh, he seems to be doing well though. I mean, he's, he's got this tech startup going and it's going strong, although it looks like they haven't released any product yet. Uh, but they're working on it. They're, they're making the prototypes and I can't help but be reminded of, you know, something like what I've seen as far as fictional versions of places like the Google offices or, you know, Facebook offices or, uh, wish I could remember the guy's name from Parks and Rec, but you know, they're all the schemes that they would do to try and become influencers and, and do things. But Deke wants to be an influencer. He wants to be a disruptor. He wants to change the world. And actually he has some good ideas. I mean, the whole mushroom pellet thing, if they could get it to taste good, uh, that could, that really could be a, a big change, but this is where, Hey, we're stepping into, we're stepping wholeheartedly into some of the sci-fi elements of agents of shield where you have a dude from the future that has future tech coming in and, and making changes and, and disrupting things. So that is Deke Deke's new normal. Um, and his new normal gets disrupted when Sarge comes and he thinks it's Lola and Sarge does a pretty good job of tricking Deke, but you know, Deke's no idiot. I think that's something that we forget because of the, the end of last season. Deke is not an idiot. In the end of last season, end of season five, when he was in the present day, he was kind of a joke and he was trying to find himself, but I never really felt like he was quite as fully formed in the second half of the season as he was in the first half where everything was taking place in the future because uh, he knew the future and he knew how to survive in the future and now we move into the past for him and you know it's a whole new world for him but this at first i was just a little surprised but when they finally like started really showing what was going on here he's still goofy he's still a doofus but he's not stupid you know, it's like the old Roger Rabbit saying, you know, I'm, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. Um, that's that's kind of what you got going on here with Deke. Uh, and so he's able to, first of all, he thinks that they put Sarge, they put Coulson through the shield memory wipe when they gave him new life. But 
then Deke, you know, he mentions his own grandparents. Well, who are his grandparents? It's Fitz and Simmons. And he mentions his grandparents. And Sarge says, well, they're slowing down. So Deke knows something's up. Something's wrong. Uh, Deke asks about Doug, <laughs> which uh, I, you know, obviously he doesn't know Doug from from Ragnarok, you know. But, uh, you know, the answer is Doug's Doug. And so, uh, so Deke realizes something's going on and he, uh, puts out a call for help and shield is going to send, send someone in to help him. So, uh, I mean, might as well just stick with that. The whole situation there, you got Sequoia, she's getting the boba. And I just have to say there used to be a place right next to my local comic shop, my local comic shop, shout out to buymetoys.com, which yes, is a brick and mortar comic shop that has like a huge wall of action figures and also has, you know, lots of back issues. That's where I go for my current comics that I get, uh, what few titles I actually do collect right now. But right next to it was this Boba cafe and I used to go there once a week, sometimes twice, uh, for a few months and do writing there. And so, you know, I would write at Starbucks and I would write at this place and I would write at other, you know, like the library and, and Barnes and Noble. Um, and I just always, I always loved going there. The guy was so nice and he, he made the boba and there's always some sort of, I can't remember if it was Korean music videos pretty sure it was Korean music videos that were playing from YouTube. And it was really nice because the atmosphere was great, but I don't write well with music that has lyrics that I can understand unless it's a song that I, I'm so familiar with it, that it just becomes white noise and the lyrics just wash over me. But if it's a new song with lyrics that I do understand, uh, and I'm trying to write the, the, the words coming into my ears, make it harder for me to concentrate to write. And so I'd be at this boba place and the Korean music videos are playing. And he would actually also have a screen with video games on it that he was playing. And he'd always tell me about the video games he was doing. And, um, yeah, it was, it was great. It got shut down. Um, I'm not sure exactly what happened if he just went out of business or if he just decided that it was too much work or, or what it was, but, um, that place has been empty for a while now. I think it's still empty. Um, I miss it. I know there's other places I can go to get boba in the area. I just haven't gotten around to actually trying to get there. But the point is, I'm with you, Sequoia. Boba, it's good. I like it too. Uh, so anyway, Sarge and his whole team are there, and they are attacking. They are coming after Deke because he is different. He's different, but he's not the same kind of different. And he... Uh, He's from another time. And so what's interesting is from last episode, and I didn't think they were connected. I, I didn't think that the guy with the little uh, Tron disc thing that he was using to, to fly from here to there. I didn't think they were connected because he's coming after uh, Fitz because Fitz doesn't belong there. Coulson and his team, not Coulson, Sarge and his team are coming after Deke because he's different different kind of different but it didn't matter now we find out that the kind of different that they were after is this weird bat thing <laughs> and that's what they are after is people who have the weird bat thing in them and so this is this is what the rest of the shield team has been investigating up to this point um there's also there's some awkward relationship moments in this but that's really we've been using the last few episodes to set up Keller as a character that we actually care about and kind of like, and he's still, he's he, this episode, he's doing some stuff to, to be likable. He's disclosing his relationship to Mac, although Mac doesn't let him because he doesn't want to have to take them off of a team together. If Yo-Yo and Keller determine that they or, or let people know that they have a relationship, then that means that they're going to be taken off of the team that they're on together. Because when you are in a high stress situation, you might pause, you might freeze, you might not do the thing you need to do because 
there's someone that you care about in a different way than just brothers in arms. And so he doesn't want to do that for them. Well, this episode kind of shows maybe why that should happen for them. Because the way that Yo-Yo responds when that bat thing escapes and the bat thing goes into the, uh, the air ducts and the bat thing attacks Keller and goes down his mouth. I'm just, I, I didn't, I wanted to just yell at the screen though. Yo-yo, just do your yo-yo thing and grab that thing out of your mouth, out of the, out of his mouth with your robot hands. Use your robot hands and your superpower. Like she was the only person equipped to help him in that moment. And she freezes. She freezes. And it really, it was a heart-wrenching scene because we've seen what happens with the bats. Like (laughs) uh, Sarge kills a bat within this guy and all those crystals come popping out. And so this is not good. This is a bad, bad thing that he has the bat inside him. And so now the bat, I mean, we're, we're getting to alien territory here where you've got the body horror. You've got the um, the bat goes in his mouth, uh, which really does remind me of the xenomorph from aliens where you have the face hugger that lays its egg through your mouth, down your throat, into your abdomen. And then that bursts out of your chest. And so I think, I don't know if they're necessarily wanting you to say it's just like alien, but I definitely think they're borrowing, uh, if not actual visuals from alien, they're definitely borrowing tone from alien. I mean, you have them running down corridors, you have them, um, you know, not sure where the thing is and looking for it and trying to find it and um, looking in the ducks, you know, because an alien or aliens might happen in both but it's more memorable in aliens where they're standing in a room and they've got the motion tracker and the motion is coming toward them. And then suddenly it's there. It's actually with them, but there's nothing there. The room is empty and it's a great scene. And then they look up in the ceiling to see where, you know, is it up there? And it is, and there's just dozens of the aliens ready to just drop down on them from the ceiling. And, and this was reminiscent of that. It's just the difference was she goes up to look and it's actually already out of the ducks and it goes into his mouth and, um, yeah, it's bad. (laughs) It's gross. And it's my kind of horror. I mean, I like, I like that kind of sci-fi horror kind of stuff going on. So yeah, it's, uh, bad bad thing for him but the the bat is one of those pilot parasites where it controls a host and it's like you ever seen that they, they reference the ants and the wasps and how there's some ants that will implant something in the wasps head to kind of turn them into a zombie and and they the, the wasp doesn't have its own control anymore it does things that the ant needs it to do it's not a, like a remote control kind of thing it's more like of a it's almost like I don't know how it really works, but it's almost like the ant implants um, uh, biological instructions or something like that. I don't, I don't know exactly how it works, but that's what's happening with this bat thing that's inside the chest. And it's gross. They go to a gross place with this. They go to a couple gross places with this. And I don't know. I don't know about you, but um, it, I'm surprised that they're doing this at 8 o'clock. And I don't think that they actually knew that they were going to be in the 8 o'clock hour. But on Friday night, by doing the 8 o'clock hour, it allows 2020 or whatever that show is that's on afterward to do two-hour specials and to be able to do these longer, you know, true crime investigative reports kind of thing. So the bat is inside him. It's growing. We just saw them open the chest cavity of the previous guy who had the crystals in him. And uh, as this is happening... Okay, so Keller, he's a goofball. He's a lovable goofball. He's good at his job. He has interesting intuition. He still brings up the ley lines idea in this episode. And I really do think that there's going to be a payoff to that ley lines thing where the places where they're going, there's something to do with the ley lines, those magical currents uh, that we have. I shouldn't say that we have that (laughs) in I don't know, like new age philosophies. And in like, in my reading about like 
uh, UFOs and and different um, different supernatural goings ons. Uh, ley lines are a thing that come up, and and he brings it up. And um, one of the places that Sarge and his men or his team rather seem to be targeting is another ley lines place. So <laughs> he's he's sticking with that. And he, you know, he's coming in when he's talking to Mac, he's lovable loser with Mac kind of thing. And, um, he wants to be, do He wants to do the right thing. He wants to do right by Mac. And Mac is like, I appreciate that you want to do right by me, but at the same time, I want to do right by you. And I'm not going to do anything to cause you to have to change what you do here right now. I'm the director. Just don't tell me, uh, so then you have the bat and it's growing inside of him. <laughs> he stops to say as he's in pain to, to Yo-Yo, how would you feel about bringing an alien bird into our relationship? And so it's funny. Yo-Yo finally uses her powers here, but it's all too late. Like that's what the worst part about this is for Yo-Yo. She, she hesitates. She hesitates just like Mac said, not, not, he didn't say she would, but he does say this is why we have the policies that we have is what happens in a situation where one of you is in mortal danger and you freeze, you know, and, and that's why they have that policy. But he's saying we have this policy. This is why we have this policy, but I don't think it's going to be something that you need to worry about. It's not going to affect you and yo-yo. And then it does. It, it totally does. And that's the worst part. Now it creates an emotional arc for Yo-Yo. I mean, Keller was created for this moment. Um, but the body horror stuff that's going on here is still like, it's, it's, it's <laughs> for lack of a better word, it's horrific. <laughs> so Yo-Yo uses her powers to, to bind, uh, Keller when he attacks Benson, she's like, we got to operate right now. We've got to Keller gets out of the bindings and he actually then just the, the crystal stuff bursts out of his skin with these crystal like structures. And it only stops when Yo-Yo stabs him with the knife that they found in the body of the guy. And she doesn't hesitate this time. She doesn't hesitate this time. And it's tragic and it's heartbreaking. And... I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, she's she's stopping this. And so I think this is how things are developing in my mind. So in my mind, the first time we saw a world being deconstructed by swirling black movement, I didn't see the birds. I didn't see the birds or bats or whatever you want to call them. Other people did. Samantha's one of them. But I didn't. I didn't see it. I just saw this kind of swirling mass. And it might have been because I was watching on my phone, but I don't think I was watching on my phone. But um, I didn't see the, the bird stuff. But now it looks like, you know, they're coming to stop people who have the bird in them. And I don't know if this alien bird is traveling from dimension to dimension, but I think that's what's happening is you got this alien bird traveling from dimension to dimension, which brings up another thing that, you know, okay. So the bat thing, I didn't notice other people did when they told me, I'm like, Oh, okay. I've also in conversation brought up that I believe Sarge is actually a bad guy. And this episode is kind of proving me possibly wrong that he is not a bad guy. He is someone who is trying to save worlds and the ends justify the means. And so his moral compass is telling him, yeah, kill people who get in the way of my mission. So is that still evil? Well, uh, yeah, actually, maybe I'm not wrong because that is still evil, but uh, he definitely seems to have a positive mission. He is there to stop these bird things because I'm wondering if like these bird things, when they start like sprouting crystals out, if that's kind of like an alien terraforming thing, which if it is, it's reminiscent actually a little bit of um, Justice League, the climax of Justice League and what uh, Steppenwolf was trying to do was to terraform the earth. Although is it, terraforming when 
you are turning the earth into something else because terraforming is when you're turning uh, something else into some to become more like the earth, you know, like putting lakes on Mars to allow plants to grow and maybe create an atmosphere over time. That's terraforming, terra forming. <laughs> um, so I don't know, crystal forming, whatever. I don't know. But anyway, that's that's what's going on there. And it gets you thinking, OK, Sarge, he's he's there to do something good for the world. But he's going about it the wrong way. And that's probably the way it's going to end up. I'm really curious if this Sarge character is going to end up being a presence in the next season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Season seven, because I just love seeing Clark Gregg, you know. I'm watching season three right now with my kids, and it's very fun watching Clark Gregg as Coulson. Um, right now he's having, uh, or starting rather, the relationship with Rosalind, um, and my kids don't like that because they don't like her. But, uh, you know, that's fun because I actually get to see Clark Gregg as Coulson. But here, seeing Clark Gregg as Sarge, I, I think, I hope he's having a lot of fun with that, being able to play a different character, being able to play this character who, if he's not evil, which I still think I can make the case that he is evil, but if he's not evil, um, he's just amoral rather than um, immoral. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But I like having him around, and so I'm just curious what they're going to do with him the next, the next season. Uh, Sarge and his team are... Tearing up the place at at uh, Deke's tech startup or whatever you want to call it. He is hiding from them. S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming and helping him. And you get this whole moment where he has to go, out, go in and actually be the hero that he was playing at the beginning. Uh, the difference is the the girl behind the door, you know, at the after the end boss is Sequoia. Not not Daisy, but um it's it's fun. It's a fun action sequence. There's a bunch of fun action sequences in this whole thing. You get May fighting Snowflake, and you get um, well, then May loses to Snowflake because Sarge comes and puts a gun to her head after she's won against Snowflake. So, yeah, she wins, but then she loses, and she has to go with Sarge, which she is not happy about, which is totally. And completely understandable uh, because, you know, she does not know who this imposter is and she does not like the fact that there's someone walking around with Coulson's face doing things, evil things that Coulson wouldn't do. Although Sarge is showing himself to be a Coulson, a very Coulson-ish person because he's running around. He's the man with the plan. He's got the plan. He's he's doing the thing. He's rolling with the punches. He's, you know, going in to get Deke. And when Deke starts talking crazy, says the name Coulson, Sar Sarge stops and new plan. I'm going to find out some information here and I'm going to trick this guy. And he does a good job. Um, meanwhile, I mean, Deke, he's that survivor. He and Mac trap Jocko in the framework. That's kind of cool. Um, but unfortunately, that means Max sees Daisy in the framework. And this is where Deke offers him 2% of his company. Yeah, <laughs> it's still creepy. It's still not cool, dude. Still not cool. But Sarge and Snowflake, they actually get May. They take her. Uh, there is another character running around in this whole sequence, and that is Khan, Agent Khan. And Agent Khan is he's been set up as Deke's assistant and has been working as his assistant helping him out as his assistant but he's actually an agent of shield which good thing good thing he was and he actually seems to be a pretty capable agent by the way so he's in there and he's helping um i i this is not my own intuition this is not my own information i have seen people wondering if this agent khan is actually related to someone that might be a setup for camilla khan so camilla khan is ms marvel the current ms marvel and so captain marvel 
who we know as uh, Carol Danvers, used to be known as Ms. Marvel. And Ms. Marvel became Captain Marvel. And then Camilla Khan, who is a Muslim character in uh, a new uh, character who has superpowers. She's an inhuman. And she be, was influenced by Captain Marvel. And so she took Captain Marvel's old name, Ms. Marvel. And she's got, I'm actually not even quite sure what her powers are. I haven't read too much with her, uh, but she seems to be able to move her, the mass of her body around and stretch and, and uh, it has to do with those kind of, those kind of things. And so I have seen some people say, is this something that they are setting up to bring in Ms. Marvel later on in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And the answer to that is who knows right now, only the powers that be might know that, which might mean Sequoia knows that um, Sequoia being Marissa Tantron. So anyway, um, he's a, he's a good character and he ends up in the tag scene with Sequoia where you see what she's been live streaming this entire episode. And it's amusing. It's, it's very goofy, um, but goofy in a, we are parodying something by just presenting it as it is like okay she might be a stereotype or an exaggeration sequoia is who i'm talking about right now might be a stereotype or exaggeration but if she is it's not by much based on things that i've seen and yeah she she's funny she and you know hashtag real life or whatever it is but uh, and that's our tag scene, which is a very unusual tag scene. We haven't had a tag scene like that. I don't think ever we've had goofy, funny tag scenes. You know, we've had, especially when they were humanizing ward at the beginning. Uh, but this is the first truly just straight up comedy tag scene. Like we're just going to go straight down the comedy aisle and we're going to, and it's, it is funny. And Marissa does a great job with the character. So, yeah, so that is this episode. And I think the the big notes are just Sarge and his team. What are they up to? Um, and then there's Yo-Yo and her emotional arc in this episode. And they gave her some really great stuff to do in this episode. But unfortunately, uh, so great stuff for the actor. Unfortunate stuff for the character. Let's put it that way. So... Uh, and then Deke finally back, finally back, and yeah, in into the 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 scheme of things, it's it's good, it's good. So I did promise that we had some feedback from a listener, and that feedback is coming from Agent Coco. She left two voicemails and and then one email to finish up because she didn't feel like calling back after my. Google voice answering service cut her off at three minutes, which is just, it's how it works. It's what we do. It's what we've got. Um, what can I say? I, anyone who does call in, don't be put off by the three minutes, please, please don't be put off by the three minutes. If you call in and go longer than three minutes and just call back and just continue where you left off and don't even mention it, I will stitch them together in post-production um, for agent Coco, I won't, because these two messages are, are actually about the two different episodes. So she's calling in about the, uh, fear and loathing on the planet of Kitson. And then she's also calling in about this episode here. But, uh, yeah, if you ever call in and it cuts you off, just go ahead and call back and continue from where you think it cut you off and I will stitch them together. I will fix it in post. No one will even know unless you're Daniel. And I'm going to make a big deal about it. Or if you make a deal about it, uh, we'll, you know, we'll go ahead and acknowledge, acknowledge it because you've acknowledged it. But anyway, Agent Coco has called in once again, and it's always a pleasure, uh, Agent Coco. I really appreciate your your thoughts, and um, I'm not. I mean, I'm saying that about you right now, Agent Coco. But but everyone else who's listening right now, I I appreciate your thoughts as well. I I, I really do. But Agent Coco is the one who called in for this episode, so she gets the compliment. So without any further ado, I'm going to stop rambling and play her voicemail. 
Hey, what's up, guys? It's Agent Coco. Shout out to the Level 7 homies. Hope you're doing well and loving life. So I didn't get a chance to leave feedback for last week's episode, and I have to because it was definitely one of my absolute favorite episodes. Uh, this is the Fear of Loathing in Kitson episode. I've been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from the very beginning, and that is definitely one of my favorite episodes. I love the portrayal, the friendship between Quake and Gemma. They are awesome together. I love that they made up. I love that Gemma apologized, even though they were tripping and and everything. Uh, That was kind of weird. you know, I would have preferred that they made up when they were sober. Uh, but either way, um, it was really fun. And the show's been so dark and sad uh, this past season. So it was nice to have a little, like, light-hearted laughter and cuteness and just kind of sweet, gentle moments. Um, there's, like, a part of the fandom that ships Quake and Gemma. I'm not necessarily part of that fandom because Fitzsimmons forever, but I do understand uh, why people would ship those two because they're just so great together. And um, yeah, the writers really broke my heart when Fitz, Gemma got to see Fitz for like five seconds and then he was taken away by the hunter. That was savage. (laughs) Oh my God, that was so sad. And, you know, they're kind of, like, building suspense. Like, of course, they're going to get back together at some point. They're going to be together at some point. The suspense buildup is a lot. Uh, They're not going to make it easy. But that was just brutal. That was a hard scene. So, at least now they have Enoch to give them information. And hopefully they'll work that out soon. Um, I just think it's weird that all the aliens look like humans but they're just, like, different humans. Like, I don't know. That's kind of weird. But I still love this show, and I'm probably going to call back again to give feedback for the Deke episode because I have thoughts on that one as well. All right. Thanks, guys, for the awesome podcast and for all the work you do uh, on this podcast. Okay. Peace. All right, so Agent Coco brought up the whole concept of the aliens looking human, and yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where your fandoms lie, um, but this allows me to bring up Star Trek. <laughs> so thank you very much for reminding me to talk about Star Trek a little bit, because that is one of the critiques leveled at Star Trek a lot, is all the aliens look human and they did have that episode um where they find out that all of the uh it's oh the preservers uh, are an ancient race of aliens that actually seeded the galaxy with dna uh, and caused the evolution of all these different planets klingons romulans um vulcans humans and, and all of these these races from all these different planets are actually related uh, by this ancient alien race that, that went through and did that. But um, yeah, it's <laughs> it practically speaking, it makes sense because you don't have to do as many effects if you don't have, you know, a third arm or tails or um, you're know, using CGI to make creatures that are going to look crazy weird. Um and when you did creatures that looked crazy weird in like original Star Trek, you got the Horda and the Tribbles and they look very fake. The only thing that makes them work is that the people who are acting with them are responding to them as if they are actually something that is moving around like a mum and shots guy in a carpet shell with the Horda or um, that it's just uh, it's just a ball of fur fabric 
<laughs> with the tribbles. Um, you know, it, it, the actors had to make it work, and, and so they did. But, yeah, it's just that practical thing, and I, I don't know what else you could do. But even in the MCU, where you have a lot more budget and a lot more effects that you can play with, everything, two legs, two arms, two eyes, two ears, a nose, a mouth. They may look different. They might be pointy, or they might be gold, or they might be green, or they might be purple with a weird chin, but they still look human. And you're right. There's no way around it. But that does mean, like, I would challenge anyone who's a sci-fi writer, if you write anything science fiction and you have any kind of alien creature, uh, don't make it humanoid. Just don't. Just don't. It brings up other issues. You know, Babylon 5 had the, I think it's the Vorlons, um, where you couldn't even be in the same place as them. And they had to walk around in basically a, a spacesuit of their own making to walk around with humans' corridors and their spaceships because they're just not compatible with humanity. I think that's probably one of the more realistic uh, alien species in science fiction is, is them because they dwell in a completely alien, foreign, and uninhabitable world just as ours is to them. But, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, this is Agent Coco's next message. Here it comes. Hey, y'all. So it's Agent Coco again. I promise I'm not going to develop this habit of leaving you multiple voicemails every show. Um, so I apologize for doing that this time. Um, but the Deke episode. So, yeah, poor Cutie Pie Keller. Um, I knew he was going to die from that very first scene with Mac. I kind of felt that was coming, but it was still very uh, sad and very shocking to see kind of horrific effect. Um, I forget sometimes this show can be a little bit creepy and monstrous with their effects and his body exploding into that crystal. It was it's beautiful, but also very scary at the same time. And poor Yo-Yo, I know she's going to feel so guilty, and she's going to be filled with angst, probably. And I just, you know, that Yo-Yo angst is a lot, and I don't know if Mac is going to be supportive or if she's going to blame her for what happened. Who knows? But getting to Deke, so I really don't know how to feel about Deke. Like, he kind of redeemed himself last season because he did risk his life to save everybody. But using Daisy in his game, that was kind of creepy. And just, like, trying to profit off of S.H.I.E.L.D. tech. And he's kind of a hustler and a con artist, which makes sense considering his background and the environment that he grew up in. That's how he survived. But, you know, you're 2019, Deke. You don't need to do that type of thing anymore. You don't need to, like, take advantage of people and sell shield tech. Um, So I'm a little disappointed that he was using Daisy as an object, especially because he's supposed to, like, be in love with her. And I was also kind of, you know disappointed in him just being a hustler. This is the first episode where I felt like S.H.I.E.L.D. was contemporary and it felt like S.H.I.E.L.D. was a 2019 show. Um, Sometimes the show feels very futuristic to me or it feels like otherworldly, like an alternative universe type of thing. But because of like the Snapchat and the hashtag and the social media influencer thing, it felt very like 2019 like show and that was a weird vibe which I don't know how I feel about but I like the little bit of comedy that's being and that is where my voicemail cut her off but she sent in another message and now you're gonna hear unfortunately my voice (laughs) speaking her words instead of instead of hers so Agent Coco thank you for calling in and now thank you for writing in 
And she says, I got cut off and didn't want to call back again. LOL. <laughs> uh, so she says, another awesome May fight. Office phone as weapon. It seems like Snowflake really likes fighting and being beaten up. She was smiling while getting her butt kicked. The team has Jocko and Pax. Woohoo! Keller, please don't be a zombie. And then I hope Benson or someone is able to give Yo-Yo better hands soon because it looks like she has clumpy gloves on. <laughs> Which, that's probably the best explanation, or not best explanation, best description of what her hands look like. Because, yeah, they, I mean, Colson had the... Um, the benefit of a human looking hand and he would just put a glove over that. But um, that is not the case for Yo-Yo's hands. They are clearly and obviously gloves with mechanical looking lumps on them. So yeah, clumpy. What was it again? Clumpy. Yeah. Clumpy gloves on. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you are right about that. So I want to thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you so much for spending time with me and putting up with me and allowing me to talk with you about what really is my favorite show. Even though that pilot episode of Swamp Thing was really, really good, it was, it is not my favorite show. It is, it, it has nine episodes more. Maybe it will become a favorite show, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. still... Still my favorite. As good as Runaways is, as good as Cloak and Dagger is, as good as Netflix series are, um, these are my people, and I really like them. I like spending time with them, and I really like you, and I like spending time with you, and I am going to stop with the Mr. Rogers moment and um, actually wrap this episode up. So again, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you for spending time here. And uh, please let me know if you have watched the Cloak and Dagger season finale and would like to send in some stuff. We'd really, really appreciate it. So for the time being, uh, I know this was a little bit strange, a little bit weird of an episode, just having me again. Um, but, you know, if you consider the infinite complexity of nature, maybe strange is the norm. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcome to level seven.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one level seven. You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Our theme music is Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls. You can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. And for the post credit, I thought about doing some sort of riff on Sequoia's video, Snapchat, Insta, whatever. But it's late. I'm tired and it would be funny. So imagine that I did it and it was really funny. And yeah, just just chuckle to yourself right now about the humor that you experienced in your imagination. Yeah. And no matter what, this is actually better than what that would have been. So peace out later. Bye. Hashtag Godspeed. <laughs>